Well, hello and welcome to Pursuit of Purpose. I am your host, Indiana Tuggle, and as you know, I am an author, a speaker, and a kingdom writing coach, and I help Christian leaders to turn their their pain, their their healing process, their story, their genius into a book for God's glory. And if you've been following along with Pursuit of Purpose, you know that I share my journey of writing to heal through a lot of different things that have went going on in my past, like um, low self-esteem, domestic violence, growing up in poverty, etc. I share all of that with you. Well, today we have a special guest in these. I like to say the studio, but you all know we are not in the studio. But we have Shalita Winfield Duke in the studio, and she is an identity coach. And she has been through a lot in her lifetime to include abortions, promiscuity, death of her son, critical health issues, and even a cheating husband. And she has been greatly blessed and has allowed God to turn that into working with women and helping them to find their true identity in God. So please help me to welcome Shalita Duke Winfield, or is it Winfield Duke? Which one is it? It's Winfield Duke. Winfield Duke. I am so sorry. I mess up folks' names. <laughs> I, and, and the sad part no is, is, I'm always, I'm always upset if people mess up my name. I'm like, it's Indiana. It's just like the state. How you mess that up? But, <laughs> but I can, I can mess up somebody's name. I never forget a face, but I always forget people's names. So please charge it to my mind and not my heart. Well, thank. Thank you so much for joining with me. I am excited to hear about your story and your healing process just with all of the things that you have been through. I love how you say that you help to focus on women who are who have been where you've been, suffering in silence. So kind of um share with um my audience who you are and what you do and, you know, some of the things that you've been through. Absolutely. First, let me say, Indiana, thank you so, so, so very much for allowing me to come to your platform and to speak to your audience. I am super-duper excited to be here. I am super excited about the opportunity, and I am always in awe of God and how he provides opportunities for me to share the good, the bad, and the favor that he has extended on my life, and I am really happy to share all that I have been through and all that God has brought me through um, in my life. So I, as Indiana said, I am Shalita Winfield-Duke. I am a identity coach, and I support professional-level women. Um, I'm sorry, I support professional-level women of faith who are ready to break free from the stigma of perfection by helping them define who they are outside of the office. And God brought this to me because over the course of time, he has shown me that I was unsure, not knowing who I am and whose I am. And in that, I just grasped at things, people, opportunities, that I felt would help make me be a, not, not, not necessarily a better person, but for me to be the person that I thought people wanted me to be. And I have learned that when you don't know who you are, 
then you are whatever someone expects you to be. So Ooh, a little bit about that, me. That that is a word within <laughs> itself. You got to pause on that one because that is so true. When you don't know who you are, you are whoever you know people think you are and who they expect you to be. That is a a word that we can put on a t-shirt, a hat, a poster, or whatever <laughs> because. It is is so true, and and I've been through that. And we get so we get so caught up in 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 what mm-hmm. other people think of us, you know, to the point to where we really truly lose ourselves, or we we don't really know ourselves, you know. We know who ourselves? Um, no, absolutely not. We can't lose exactly. what we never knew we had. What you said? <laughs> <laughs> I, we can't lose what we never knew we had. Right. And so many so times you can't we, lose that. We and we end up going down this path of seeking happiness but not truly knowing what happiness really truly is. You know, because cause we, we let allow others to define it and we define it by comparing ourselves to others, you know, looking at what somebody else has, looking at somebody else's life. It's why it's why so many people get caught up in the lifestyles and the pictures of people that they see, you know, on social media and it's because you uh-huh. haven't really embraced who God called you to be and who who he is in you. So and those you, are my little yeah, Continue on. I'm sorry. No, absolutely. <laughs> the, the, the challenge is, is that, and you're right, I'm going to piggyback off of something you said. One of the challenges is, is that we are out here and in this day and age we are seeking happiness. But the problem is that God did not tell us we would be happy. He told us we would have joy, unspeakable joy, joy that comes from him and not from this world. And so if the world didn't give it to me, the world can't take it away. So, therefore, Mm. there's no need for me to compare myself to anybody because what brings me joy, what makes me joyful, didn't come from the people who were trying to define me. Mm. Amen. So, that's just my little caveat caveat right there. Because, you you know, it's funny because, like you said, we are so busy out here comparing ourselves to others, but we are only comparing ourselves to a little bite-sized thumbnail that Facebook YouTube, IG, and all the others share with us. We don't know who's behind these, what, what these things are, what these pictures are. We only know what people want us to see, and that is how we live our lives. We live our lives showing the pieces of us that we want people to see. And that's, that's mm. not the whole of who you are. And if you don't know the whole of who you are, then you are only defining yourself by the little snippets of the pictures that you are showing to others. Absolutely. And then those pictures, those thumbnails, like you say, and even in putting those out there, we still put out what we think others want to see, you know, and what we've defined based on what somebody else does or what somebody else has, what we've gathered is the true sense of happiness. And I love how you said God never promises happiness. He promises joy. And it's because happiness is temporary. Happiness is Absolutely. based on on circumstances, mater- material items, and, and selfish gain. That's what happiness is based on. And it can go up and down because if you lose it, you're going to be sad. Then what? You know, but, yeah. but you know, joy? I, I heard Kirk say it. I heard Kirk say it. I don't know if someone said it before him, 
But in order to be happy, you got to have happenings. Mm. <laughs> and so, you, you know, that is always dependent on external circumstances. And that's what happiness is based on, external circumstances. Joy is based on the internal. Who mm. is living on the inside of you? If God is living on the inside of you, by default, you have joy. Mm. And so I don't need those external ha- happenings. I don't need those external circumstances to help me define anything about myself because internally I already have the one inside of me who created me. So therefore, by default, I already have everything that he's given me because he's placed it on the inside. So I don't need to worry about what's happening on the outside because everything that I need in order to deliver the greatness that God has placed in me is already in me. Absolutely. And a lot of times I have to tell myself that when you get to those points where the external is is going wrong and everything is going awry, as such as the time is now, you know, with everything going mm-hmm. on with, with racism and coronavirus and doggone killer hornets that we got going around, I mean, <laughs> everything has come to attack our normal and our comfort zone, mm-hmm. and your happiness is, is fluctuating. You know, it's people in, in straight – depression mode because they're losing jobs they're losing family members they can't say goodbye to family members you can't even have a funeral you know in normal times you can't even do all of that we can't even gather around those loved ones that you know help bring us joy help pick us up when we're down we can't even do that you know so you have to begin to rely on and, and the holy spirit tells me all the time stop relying on what you see and rely on what you know you know and what you know is my word you know you have to hold right. on to that right. in circumstances even when times get tough you better find your scriptures my pastor you better find you a scripture I don't care you if you don't know but one or two you better find them and you better hold on to it and you better keep regurgitating that thing over and over until it gets in your mm-hmm. spirit and you start to believe it just find you something in the word to hold on to because everyday things are changing but God is Still the same. He's still the same. He's still the same. So um, help us. I know I cut you off, but let's get into your journey and you, um, what you've been through, and really how you began to discover your identity. Yeah. So you know, for, uh, the long story short of it is, I'll I'll do it in a in date and age ranges. So. Between the ages of 14 and, say, 22, I had had multiple abortions. You know, my parents separated when I was 13, and I always caveat this by saying I am truly a daddy's girl, even to this very day. I am over 50, and I am a daddy's girl. I talk to my dad multiple times a week and always have been a daddy's girl. So when him and my mom divorced, my 13-year-old mind did not understand that. I thought my father was leaving me and not necessarily just leaving my mother. And so, you know, typical fashion, I began to, as they say, look for love in all the wrong places, and I became very promiscuous. And, you know, that led to, like I said, multiple abortions, and that led to, to multiple guys, um, you know, throughout my um, years in high school and my first couple of years in college. Um, and it really wasn't until I got away. I went away to school, um, so I got away to college, and my reputation started mattering. That <laughs> I said, mm. "Oh, I think I might need to rethink this whole thing," because you know, peer pressure is real. It can be negative or it can be positive. 
And so when I was growing up, I did not have a lot of peers who I traveled in the same circle with. So I would hear the murmurings, but I wasn't really connected to anybody, so it didn't matter. But when I got to college, I went to an HBCU, and I got to college, and I'm around all these other males and females that look like me, that walk like me, that talk like me. Their opinion of me, that started to matter. And so I I went to a small HBCU, so I didn't want to be the girl on campus who everybody was talking about. So I was like, well, let me fill my role. And so that was when I really began to look at the image, what I was portraying, what I was doing, who was it impacting, how was it impacting me, and just playing out and out maturity, you know, just kind of understanding the dynamics of relationships and you know, understanding the dynamics of parent-child relationships and all of those things. And so I began to slow down and really begin to craft my adult life. So, you know, you graduate from college, I go on and I, you know, get a job and, you know, I'm majoring in social, I didn't major in social work, I ended up in social work. So, you know, Mm. I'm starting to care for um, young adults and I am talking to them about the actions that they are doing and how it impacts their future. Well, you can okay, that's full circle mirror all the way because I'm telling them about what they're doing now and how it impacts later, but I had to look at what I was doing years ago and how it was impacting me now. So when you are talking to people about what they're doing and you're thinking about what it was that you were doing, you kind of be like, okay, well, I need to really – look at that. But the devil, even though God was trying to teach me some lessons in that, in the midst of that, the enemy used it because guilt set in. You know, then mm-hmm. I became guilty about the choices that I had made. Then I became embarrassed by the choices I had made. Um, and so when you start living in a place of guilt, hurt, shame, and defeat, it impacts everything, including your decision-making. So although I wanted to make better decisions, I was in such a low place that I didn't really know how to make better decisions. And so I was like, well, let me just get in this good relationship and things will change. Well, one good relationship ends, and then you move to another good relationship, and then that ends, and then you move to another good relationship, and then that ends, and then you pretty much are right back in the cycle that you were in 10, 15 years beforehand, where you're going from relationship to relationship. So I had to learn that I was reliving the cyclical pattern that I had started 15 years beforehand. And mm. so I'm like, okay, Lord, this this is obviously I have not learned this lesson because I'm still walking in circles in the same valley. So then I had to begin to look at what my decisions were. But in, in looking at my decisions over the course of time, I'm still living in that guilt, hurt, shame, and defeat. I am still living mentally in bondage. I was working. I was really good at what I was doing. I was very professional at work. And if people had looked at my work life and then looked at my personal life, there was a distinct disconnect. Mm -hmm. And that is where the suffering and silence comes from. That is where the helping professional women break free from the stigma of perfection because I was doing everything I needed to do at work. I could get a job like no other. That was not the Mm -hmm. issue. But there was a disconnect between 
the decisions that I was making at work, the right decisions and the right risk and the decisions and the risk that I was taking in my personal life. They were not one and the same. And so that's, I that's, reached that's a, an awesome um that's an awesome realization, and I often tell people a lot of times the healing process begins once you go through that acknowledgement and you begin to understand that something is wrong because as as mm-hmm. women, especially um professional women, when you've been through a lot you it's it's very hard to look in the mirror and say something is wrong with me, you know, and yeah, you absolutely. have to go through um looking at those patterns in your life because I went through something similar. I had to go through and look at the fact all of the patterns and all the decisions that I made in dating, and I realized, hey, I'm dating the same guy over and over. This is the same over and spirit, over and over again. the same spirit, the mm-hmm. same pattern, but a different name. Something is wrong, you know, and, and I'm right. the common denominator. I can point the finger at them Absolutely. all I want to, but I'm the common denominator. So what's going on with yeah. me? Like you said, that with I me. keep making these same decisions, and like you said, on and professionally at work, I was a beast. You know, I, I know my job. Right, right. I do my job, get accolades everywhere I go, you know, promotions, you know, and things like that. You get all of that. But personally, it's like your world yeah, is jacked just <laughs> jacked up, you know, and you don't and you don't even see it. You don't know it because the outside world, they see you excelling. In those areas, so they don't feel like anything is wrong with you. So who who else can point out your faults and acknowledge your hurt other than God? Because nobody else right. is going to tell you, you know, or, or, or nope. you're not going to listen. Or even if they try, you're not listening because, like you said, you're winning at work. You're winning in all right. of the other areas. So in in, in the world's eye, if you win in their work and you win in life and you got yeah. you you okay, you successful. But in God's eye who's looking at your heart and looking at you corroding from the inside out, he like, Come on, baby, we 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 got some work to do. <laughs> and and that's and exactly so, what happened. But every everything you do in the dark will come to light. Mm-hmm. I live by that scripture. Everything you do in the dark will come to light. And I was in for my days of lightning. Because <laughs> so, I was out there doing everything I wanted to do. I was in church. I had just gotten back in church, but I was still doing everything that I wanted to do. And then I got pregnant. And mm-hmm. I got pregnant by somebody that I worked with. We didn't really work together. We worked for the same employer, but we did not work mm-hmm. together. But people would have been like, you got with him? <laughs> Mm. And, I, and so I was so I was embarrassed, you know, to for people to even know that we were intimate. People knew that we were friends, but they mm-hmm. they would not have expected us to be involved with each other. And mm-hmm. so, you know, then then I get pregnant, and okay, deal with that. But then my son dies seven days after he's born, and so. You know, so now I have all of this. And his father, you know, here we are 20 years later. His father still to this day doesn't know where he's buried. <laughs> wow. That's how uninvolved he was. And I found out he was so uninvolved because he was living with somebody who was pregnant at the same time I was. I was in the hospital wow. for five weeks with complications to my pregnancy. He didn't come not one single time. 
Wow. So when God does it, when the Lord says, okay, I'm about sick and tired of you and put mm. you on your back, trust and believe, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, it, it's time to make some changes. But even in all of that, God favored me. Even in all of Absolutely. that, God favored me. Even in my even in my sin and my wrongdoing and my guilt, hurt, shame, and defeat and my decisions and my actions, God showed favor on me, even in mm. that. And so God is faithful. And if you have a heart and a mind to change, the opportunity will come. Mm, and absolutely. so, you know, so I bury my son and, and I go on and, you know, and move on, move out of the area. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, God opened up the door. I'll never forget when 9-11 happened. You know, I'm trying to move. I'm trying to relocate. And everybody's like, ugh, that is not going to happen. 9-11 just happened. Ain't nobody going to give you no job. I walked into a job. And I walked into a job that came with an apartment. <laughs> mm. So when I tell you God will do it, he'll do it. <laughs> wow. So I moved and, you know, I started dating someone that I had known and had dated off and on for multiple years beforehand. And we ended up getting married and... I knew that I should not have married him. I tell this story all the time. I knew good and well I ain't had no business marrying him. But I did anyway because in my mind, I'm in my mid-30s, it's time to get married. You know, that's what people do. That's what other people expected of me. And then so we get married, and that didn't last even five years because he cheated on me with two women at the same time, both of whom I knew. One had been in my house. Mm. So, you know, so when that happens, I don't care who you are as a woman, that impacts your self-esteem, period. Mm -hmm. That's just just life. You know, it's going to impact you. And it did. It did tremendously. And so Mm -hmm. I had to really work on getting me together, number one, why did I marry a man I know good and well the Lord told me not to? I had to look at that, mm. and I had to repent for that. But I had to really look at what is it about me, not only that attracted the same type of man, but that made me feel so less of myself that I didn't recognize that I deserve more than what I knew he could ever, ever give me. He wasn't capable mm. of giving me the goodness that God had for me. So I can't blame him because I can't expect him to give more than what he's able to. Mm-hmm. So that was my fault for accepting what was beneath right. me. But And that's where we, that's where the rub is. How well do you know yourself? How well, how much do you think of yourself? How highly do you think of yourself? Do you know your value and your worth? I talk a mm. lot about expectation management. So it's not just a managing the expectations that others have of you, but it's also about sharing the expectation that you have of others. If mm. you don't set the groundwork, there is no foundation. Mm. So an only way to manage the expectation is for you to know yourself and to know what you will and won't take, to understand where your boundaries are, to be confident enough to share your boundaries, and to be courageous enough to say, hold up, you have exceeded these boundaries. And we don't do that all the time. Mm 
And it starts with understanding and knowing, accepting and loving who we are. Absolutely. And you said a whole lot in that little bit of time because (laughs) for, for, for women, that is so, so hard to do is to, um, number one, to, and I tell women all the time, you can't control who's attracted to you and who comes your way because the enemy going to send folk at you. God send people, the enemy send people. So it, that yep. it's going to come, and, and, I, and people all the time say, well, you are who you attract. And I'm like, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You can't control who you attract, but you can control what you accept. You know, so it's all about in right. that acceptance, and you said a lot about knowing your boundaries, first of all, and then also being able to communicate those boundaries and, and being able to hold people accountable. If, if I communicate my boundaries to you and you cross that line, I need to check you. I don't need to be, we, so many times we, we want to call it compromise. Well, you have to compromise on something. No, no, no. Something you shouldn't be compromised on. And if compromise right. means that you sacrifice yourself, your own well-being, your own happiness, your own joy, your own identity, who you are, you begin to lose yourself in that compromise, that's not compromise. Uh-huh. That's that's sacrifice and that's detrimental. You don't right. sacrifice who you are to uh for love, you know, because love is that's love is not that. Love is supposed to be accepting, you know, and all of that. So you can't lose yourself and accept all of him, but at the same time he's not accepting any of you. You know, that's right. crazy and that's part of, of like you said, knowing your worth and knowing your value, when you know your value and your worth, you, you're not afraid to communicate that. And you're confident in communicating that. That's another thing that you said that I love is that you have to be confident in communicating your values and your standards and not back down. You know, and don't allow anybody to, to make you sway. We have it in, in social media is... The Holy Spirit has told me several times, just get off social media because it can taint, you know, your thought. It can taint your opinion. It can taint Mm -hmm. all your ideas of what you think of yourself. It can taint all of that, and you begin to question it, especially when you're still single. When you're still single and you're waiting on the one that God has for you, man, social media will tear that to shreds because if you have any kind of standards, they will tell you, "Mm, you, you. You 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 putting yourself out of the dating pool. I said that today. I'm like, for some reason, when it comes to black women, there's this delusion that quality black men are scarce. You know, so therefore, if you indicate any type of standards or preference, then you are putting yourself under attack because all of a sudden you are limiting your dating pool. You, you don't want to limit people. Everybody is different. You have to compromise. Lies you tell the Lord say. <laughs> Right. And God is, says, you know, I deserve I this. this. Right. And I deserve the best that he has for me. And mm-hmm. if this ain't it, then this ain't it. But right. we also, as as a woman, you know, I talked about being able to communicate your expectations, but you also got to know where your end is. We mm-hmm. don't want to walk away. Right. We are not willing, like you said, it, it's, you know, I don't want to sacrifice myself. and But we do it all the time. We stay mm-hmm. just to have somebody. You know, we stay because, mm-hmm. oh, I've gotten, I, I don't want to use marriage because that's not, that's not a good example, but prior to marriage, we stay 
And we need to ask ourselves, why are we in this? Why are we staying in this? If it is not of God, if it is not um, a relationship that is of God, that is headed headed towards um, marriage, that is headed towards commitment, you know, I mean, there's a ton of, you know, talking about relationships, that's a whole nother discussion, that's a whole another podcast interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but whether it's, a, whether it's a romantic relationship or even just a friendship, because right. you can be friends with somebody and it's, and it's the same scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you know, we, there are times where we need to separate ourselves from people who are causing us to be, act, do, think outside of who we know God created us to be. And you can only mm-hmm. do that if you know who you are. Absolutely. And, so what and, did the, you know, and, and go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, so what did the road to, um, to recovery look like for you? I, I hate to say recovery. Your road to uncovering your identity, what did that look like? Um, um, I was going to, so let me answer, well, I'm trying to come up with a short answer. So, so let me finish this story. So before I filed for divorce, um, I said, I'm going to give it a year. You know, you mm-hmm. just don't want to file out. I'm going to give it a year. And the Lord told me to give it a year. But, you know, we know best. The Lord doesn't know. We know best for ourselves, so we think. <laughs> so I gave it two years. <laughs> I gave it two years. And, and, you know, it's so one day I just, we had had a conversation on the phone. I don't even remember what he said to me. I just remember hanging up, and I thought, this joke going, he cannot be married and live single. This is a mess, and I'm out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it just was just an epiphany. And so I said, enough is enough. And we have to be comfortable as women to get to the point where enough is enough, whether it mm-hmm. is work, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a business venture, it doesn't matter. Right. But when you begin to sacrifice yourself, you have to know what your end is. So to your question, I was working, I was managing a housing program, and I had about four employees that I supervised. And for a year, none of these people knew that I was separated. A whole year. Mm. I didn't tell anybody. It's crazy. The craziest thing in the world. And I think, I don't know, I don't know why I didn't tell them. I don't know if it was I was embarrassed or whatever the, whatever the reason was, I didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I was not feeling well at all. I had just been very lethargic, um, taking me almost an hour to walk my dog around the block, just all kinds of random things. And I went to the doctor, and they ran some tests. And I'll never forget, the hospital called me and told me I needed to get to the ER immediately. Mm-hmm. Then the, um, the hematologist called and said, no, I need to come to his office. So I ended, up back at, I ended up back at the hospital. They ran another, some more blood work. Um, sat and came back and said, I have no blood in my body. They yeah, could not now. understand no blood in my I was down to less than a third of the amount of blood that you're supposed to have in your body. And they hmm. could not understand how I had walked in the door, how I did not come in in an ambulance on a stretcher. They said mm-hmm. my numbers were so low that it leads to congestive heart failure, and normally people come in on, on their back on the stretcher. And I mm-hmm. knew in that moment that it was because God had something for me to do. I experienced 15 weeks of iron transfusions at the oncologist's office. So I'm wow. sitting amongst people who were getting chemo, 
and I'm getting blood transfusions because I have no blood in my body. The Lord had sustained me, allowed me to live my life, do all the things I was doing every single day, go to work every single day, and walk into that hospital and Mm. walk out of that hospital. It was not supposed to be that way. And I said, I will never again do, I will never again take for granted the blessings that he has on my life, the favor that he has on my life. And I said, no more. Uh, You know, everything had to change. So that was my moment. When you are walking around, living your life, and you have less than one-third of the amount of blood that you're supposed to have in your body, it is nothing but the grace of God that keeps you going. Wow. And that's when things started to turn around for me. You know, it wasn't overnight. I'm not going to lie and say that. It wasn't quick. It was still a journey. Um, But I began to take the favor and the purpose of my life serious. I didn't know what it was. I kind of had some ideas. I had been toying and just kind of dipping and dabbing but not really doing. But in that moment, I said enough is enough. I am Mm. not going to waste what God has blessed me with. So every, I found myself in church. I was, in, I was already in church. I was already really active at church during that time, and it didn't stop. And every Sunday I would go to church, my bishop would say, your best is yet to come. And I did not understand it at that point in time. I had been mm-hmm. divorced. You know, I was sick. But he would look me in my face every Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year, and say, your best is yet to come. And I remember um, after I got married to my now husband, I said to Bishop, you are absolutely right. I get it. My best is now. Mm. And so that's what I'm living, and that's what I live for every single day. You know, I, I, my, my voicemail says I'm out pursuing purpose on purpose. That mm. was spoken into my life before I even knew what purpose was. And that's what I do. That's why I do the things that I do. That's why I work with the women that I work with. That's why I pour out the way that I pour out, because I know that women sit in their homes day after day, week after week, month after month in silence and in pain and in agony because they cannot understand how they can be so successful and be so hurt at Mm. the same time. Mm. So successful and so hurt at the same time. So tell me what is the process that you go through um, with your women when you um, become their identity coach? We first talk about what are you thinking about yourself. You know, I, I um, I have a four strategy action guide that talks about eliminating the automatic negative thoughts because it all begins with what you think of yourself. So mm-hmm. you need to look at what do you think about yourself? When do you have these thoughts about yourself? What are those thoughts about yourself? And how do you change the narrative that you're thinking? Mm-hmm. That's where it all starts. And so that's the very first thing that we work on. And then we work on voids, you know, healing the voids. You know, people talk about going back in your childhood and doing the child work. It's all along the same premise. We really look at what that void was. I, you know, I didn't go into any detail um, but for a couple of years, I left Virginia and went back to Pennsylvania. And I remember before I left Pennsylvania and went back to Virginia, the Lord said to me that there is no man, there is no situation, there is no job, there is nothing that can heal the void that is in your soul other than him. 
mm. and being divorced. Mm. And that's when I began to understand the fact that there's a void. There is an emptiness. There is a pit in your soul that you are seeking things and people to fill that cannot be filled by a thing. It can only be filled by by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about what those voids are. We look at what those voids are. Where did they surface from? How do they manifest? How do you heal them? How do you close them? How do you um, move past them? So we talk about voids, and then we look at what the next steps are. You know, where do you want to go from here? How do you want to show up? Um, in public? How do you want to close the disconnect between your professional life and your personal life? Because like you said, you, you said it very well, you were winning at work. I need you to win at home. So what does that look like to you? Mm. You talked about... Um, and then it's all about accountability. We, you know, we huge on accountability. I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off. Huge on accountability. Because we mm-hmm. say a whole lot of stuff. We just don't do nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you talked about those voids. Can you tell us what's one of those voids that you have um, uncovered working with um, different clients? Yeah, a lot of women in particular, um, their void is based and rooted in rejection. Mm. So that's fear, that's perfectionism, that's procrastination, that's stagnation. You know, so so that void of a rejection, because it happens in life, we just don't know how to heal it and move past it. We mm. keep going, but that doesn't mean that we've healed it. We've not mm. necessarily put any level of closure. So when we don't get that job, we internalize it. When that relationship ends, we internalize it. When that girlfriend starts to trip out, we internalize it. When somebody says something that you don't like, we internalize it. We don't deal with it. We hold it in. Because as women, we got to keep it pushing. Mm-hmm. And that's true. We do because we take care of the world. We just don't do good jobs taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? So, so then, you know, you deal with the self-care of things. What does that look like to you? You know, so Fridays, personally, are my self-care day. I don't schedule any meetings. I don't schedule any calls. I don't schedule any coaching. I don't do anything on Friday. I come home from work and I sit down. Mm. <laughs> I don't cook. I don't clean. I don't do nothing. I don't talk mm. to nobody unless I feel like it. I sit down. That's my mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I have to change from working at work to working at home, and I need a I need a break. I need a minute. I tell mm-hmm. my husband I need I just need a minute. So that's my minute. That's my minute that I take. You know, so self-care is a lot of different things to different people, but you have to know what it is for you because mm-hmm. there has to be a moment that you take for yourself that says, this is my time. Because mm-hmm. you need to process those things that have come at you throughout the week. And we don't do that. We just go from one hat to the next hat. Right. So we are, we wear our work hat, and then we come home and we wear our wife, our mom, our you know, head of household hat, whatever that looks like. And then mm-hmm. Saturday we wear our domestic, we wear our, we wear our domestic hat because I got to clean up, I got to wash clothes, I got to get to the grocery store, I got to plan this, I got to do that, I committed to do this, I got to go run here. You know, so on Saturday we play, we wear multiple hats again. I'm taking mm-hmm. care of the house. I've told my girlfriend I'm going to help her do this. I've told my husband I'm going to help him do that. You know, I told the church I'm going to come over and support this activity. And then on Sunday, you know, we wear the church hat. 
Because mm-hmm. we got to go to church. <laughs> right. right. You know, and so what did we commit to there? You know, how many mm-hmm. hats did we wear at church? And then we back at Monday. Then we back in our work hat. So mm-hmm. at what point do you put on that me hat? Mm. And if you can't separate, then you realize there's I and mean, you have not provided any time for yourself. That's where I think that's part of the reason. This is just my own personal struggle. <clears throat> I think that's part of the reason why obesity is such a big deal. Because mm-hmm. we can't find 15 minutes in a day to go exercise. Right. I don't care. Yeah, YouTube, walk outside, walk up the steps, do whatever. But mm-hmm. we can't find 15 minutes in a 24-hour period to say, mm-hmm. I'm taking out for me. So mm-hmm. then if that's the case, where have you prioritized your very own self? Where have you prioritized your own soul, your own soul care? People call it self-care. Where have you prioritized your soul care? Because mm-hmm. you're not taking care of you, and you don't take care of what you don't value. Right. That's good. You don't take care of what you don't value. Mm. <laughs> So, so to your question, it all starts with how you think about yourself and how you see yourself. Absolutely. You mentioned um, one thing um, that really um, stuck with me, and it's about how, um, as women, we really don't um, learn how to process a lot of the things that happen to us because we have this mentality of from the world that says keep it moving, keep it moving. And I was thinking about a conversation that I had with a friend and how we we label ourselves as strong based on what we're able to take and what we're in, in coming in. And, and she and I both said at the same time, like, I don't wear that strong hat no more because strong will kill you, you know, because because it, it, especially the definition that they have of it in today's society, they label a woman as strong by all of the mess that she's taken over the years, you know, and able right. to keep going. And I'm like, I don't want to be strong then, because if I have to accept all of this hurt, all of this pain, all of the weight of the world, and keep going and still allow you, this toxic person who caused all of this in my life and wear it as a badge of honor, now all of a sudden you saying, oh, this is my ride or die chick and I've put her through a lot and and now and, and she's my queen and now that I'm finally, now that I'm old and decrepit and, and sick and I need her to take care of me, now all of a sudden this is my queen and I want to marry her. If you don't get on somewhere, because to me, that doesn't say strong. That says a woman who doesn't know her worth, you know. So I don't want that badge. I don't want strong anymore. You know, I want to be able to sit down and take care of myself, take care of my soul so that I can portray the best me and I can be the best me authentically, you know, because so many times we – we try to put our best foot out and, and say we're living our best life when in reality we're not, you know, and, and right. we're still we're still sick and we're still miserable and we're still, you know, depressed and your and your and your body is shutting down, your mind is shutting down and, and there's all of this conflict and turmoil going on in the inside, but you're still trying to smile on the outside because you don't want right. anybody to know 
what's going on with you or you can't even explain what's going on with you and you don't even know how to fix what's going on with you so you're doing what you think you're supposed to do. No, I'm supposed to smile. I'm, if, there's nothing, if a woman can't do nothing else, she knows how to keep it moving and how to make things happen. No, you need to learn how to pause sometimes. <laughs> And 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 process some things and and get get some help and find some relief, you know, um, and and so that you can get a lot of that stuff out because, like you said, we internalize it all. We don't deal with anything. We don't deal. We don't heal from anything. We just keep sweeping it on the rug. Then all of a sudden, we got a whole mountain in the middle of our living room that we acting like we don't see. You know, we just sitting on the couch and looking around it, um, like we don't see it, but. It's there, you know, and and you'll shut down. Eventually, you will shut down. Your body will shut down, and and, and that's where a lot of our sickness comes from, a lot of our stress, Mm -hmm. a lot of our high blood pressure, a lot of our obesity, a lot of our, you know, promiscuity, a lot of our poor relationship habits. All of that stems from not healing and not dealing with a lot of the things that go on in our lives, not being able to really process it and not really knowing how to process it in a healthy way because so many times when we begin to process it and we begin to release, you know, then we're labeled as angry, you know. The angry black woman, she she mad. When she mad and she fussing, oh, she angry, she bitter, she broken. But how about we just yeah, deal with the fact that you broke <laughs> Right. Well, and but then, I mean, that is when you are dealing in a situation where there's someone else. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, well, what happens when you're the one that broke her? But that has nothing to do with the fact that what if you, what if you are your own self-sabotaging? Mm. So take, take someone else out the equation, whether it's mother, mm-hmm. father, ex-husband, ex-boyfriend, sister, sibling, best friend, doesn't matter, co-worker, mm-hmm. boss, whatever. You take everybody else out the equation. What do you do when you are your own worst enemy? That's mm. what I'm talking about. So, yeah, right. those situations are real, and you do need to heal from them, but you can't run from yourself. Right. Yeah, so what, so what, you do what when happens you, when, your when you are the weapon? Decisions, when you, right, when you are the weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking about that word strong, but we also have a reframe the narrative of the word resilience. Mm. You know, when my mother retired, I remember she, she I, I say, made us, in air quotes, my brother and I, she wanted us, they, they asked us to speak at her retirement. So being an older sibling, my brother politely looked at me and gave me the mic. And I remember saying that one of the things I most admired about my mother was her resiliency, her ability to bounce back. But bouncing back does not mean that you've processed weapon. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you kept it moving. And mm-hmm. that is what my mother had done. My mother was resilient because she had two kids to take care of. My father, like I said, not that my father wasn't there, not that we had extended family that weren't there, but she had her mindset of what that meant, and she wasn't going to let anybody hold her down. She wasn't going to have to ask anybody for anything in her mind. Whole nother story. But in her mind, she was being resilient. These are the cards that were dealt to her, and she was just going to handle it. She was going to do whatever she needed to do by any means necessary, and that's Mm. what she did. That's what I grew up knowing to do. So when pain comes, when hurt comes, when disappointment comes, 
when guilt comes, when shame comes, when all those negative feelings come, I don't process them. Like you said, I sweep them under the rug and I keep it moving. So you call it strong. The world calls it now resilient. And so now it's a big thing to be this resilient woman. Well, the devil is a lie because if I am resilient, have I dealt with the things that I needed to be resilient of or from or as a result of? That's the question. So resilient, yeah, I got that bounce back, back spirit. My father says it all the time. Yeah, I got that bounce back spirit. But what happens when something comes and lays you square on your behind? Then what you going to do? Mm. Mm. When I was in the hospital for five weeks, my resilience wasn't getting me out of there mm. <laughs> at all. I didn't have right. anything to do but look at the ceiling because I could not stand up because they were scared that baby was going to slide out if I stood up. Mm. So the Lord said, okay, I got your resiliency. you laying on your back now, and you can't do nothing but look at me. Mm. So I'm looking up. So, yeah, I learned how to look to the hills from which come to my help because for five long weeks I didn't have a choice. Mm. Wow. God knows how to put you in a place. God knows how to put you in a position to where you can't do nothing but trust him. Depend on him. Nothing but, you know, you you can't get yourself out of it. (laughs) You can't pray. Mm -hmm. You can't do nothing. No, nothing. When I had them 15 weeks of iron infusions, I couldn't do nothing but go sit up in that chair and be Mm. like, okay, Lord, now what? Because I can't go Mm. nowhere. Now what? Mm. Now what we doing? Mm. Now what you doing? That's the question. Now what you doing? He's like, ain't we. What you doing? (laughs) Let's look at what you doing. So how do you teach the women to... How do you mm-hmm. teach the women how to begin to how do you teach the women how to begin to process it all to to actually begin to heal from it? Well, you gotta acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got to a place where I could acknowledge that I was living in a place of guilt, hurt, shame and defeat that I can begin to heal from it. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is to acknowledge you gotta know that it even exists. We create these um, bubbles that we live in. We create them. And we tell ourselves that all is well. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the not processing. So in order to process, you've got to acknowledge that there's some pain there. You've got to acknowledge that there's some disappointment there. You've got to acknowledge that you made the same decision over and over and over and over again. But then you have, you know, then you have to look at, well, everything works together for my good, according to those who love the Lord and who are called to his purpose. So then, okay, so now what? Now that I know these things happen, okay, well, what am I supposed to do from this? What am I supposed to learn from this? What am I supposed to share about this? Because everything happens for a reason, the good Mm -hmm. and the bad. It's all to bring you to an expected end. So, okay, Lord, let's look at what this end looks like because I'm going to need to get out of this circle. Mm. I tell people all the time, if you don't learn the lesson, you will stay in the valley. So, mm. all right, let's get to learning. <laughs> let's get to mm. moving because if you don't want to stay here, then it's up for you to get out. The Lord has made a way. Mm. That's not the issue. It's all about your mindset, and that's why we start with the things that you think and say to yourself. That has to be the first place. 
Because until you change your mindset, your heart can't change. Wow. Absolutely. People, some people say you, your, your mind won't change until your heart changes. Well, you know, I could see that argument, but I, I, I believe that until you change your mind about some things, there is no way that your heart is going to catch up, that your heart will change as well. Mm. Because then there's an internal struggle between your heart and your mind. Once your mind accepts something, it's much easier for your heart to go along with it. Absolutely. And before we um, end tonight, I want you to be able to tell um, them about your book. Yeah. Um, My book is called The Soul of a Champion, 21 Mm -hmm. Strategies to Reveal Your Greatness Within. So um, my, my business, She Went Unlimited, is all about revealing the greatness within you. So because I believe that God has placed purpose, i.e. greatness, in each and every one of us, and that we have the spirit of a runner within us. And so the book, Soul of a Champion, really is just 21 days um, of prompts, scriptures, and reflections for you to think about, questions for you to answer that make you stop and think and recognize who you are and what is in you. So... You know, so for example, on day 14, I just kind of open up to the middle of the book. Um, it gives a scripture, 1 Corinthians 15:33, "Be not deceived; evil communications corrupt good manners." So I'm asking about who do you spend your time with? Who you spend your time with can affect your personality and your well-being. So on that day, you look at the people you share your time with, determine how you feel about the relationship, and the value it adds to your life. Mm-hmm. So the activity is to make a list of five people you spend the most time with outside of your family. And what are you doing when you are together? Is it fun and edifying, or is it more of a chore or a requirement? So it it pushes you, to, it, it encourages you to mm-hmm. look at your choices, your decisions, um, why you do what you do, and helps to give you a better understanding of who you are and who is impacting you because, you know, we have eyes so we see, we have ears so we hear, Um, and so we are receiving the messages that people are putting out there. And so the messages you receive are determined by the people you are around. Mm. You know, it challenges you to do some things, you know, asking you questions about if you say these things bring you joy, are you doing them? If not, then why not? You know, so that's what the book is about. It really is a journal for you to think about the things that you do and then write down your responses to questions on each on every day for the 21 days. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Sounds amazing. I have to get that. <laughs> well, tell us how, <laughs> we can con- how can we connect with you? So um, there are a couple of different ways that you can connect with me. Obviously, you can go to my website, www.shewinunlimited.com, and everything is right there. You can go to www.eliminatetheants, that's A-N-T-S.com, eliminate the ants, and download my four-strategy action guide um, that talks about eliminating the automatic negative thoughts you have about yourself or you can get everything in a one-stop shop by going to Linktree. Um, that's no www. It's just HTTPS 
um, Linktree, and Linktree is L-I-N-K-P-R dot E-E backslash SheWin, and mm-hmm. everything is there. The simplest, easiest way is to go to the website or download the Four Strategy Action Guide. Again, the website is www.SheWinUnlimited.com or eliminate the ants, that's A-N-T-S dot com, to get the action guide. That's the easiest, two easiest ways. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alita, for joining us on Pursuit of Purpose today. I have enjoyed my time. And as she just mentioned, if you want to check out her book, check out her services, please visit her website at SheWinUnlimited.com. And as always, um, if you have enjoyed this episode of Pursuit of Purpose, please send me your comments and send them to me at PursuitofPurpose2019 at gmail.com. Again, that's Pursuit of Purpose 2019 at gmail.com. As always, if you want to connect with me, whether that be my services or my products or even to be on the show, visit my website at www.indianatuggle.com. Again, that's www.indianatuggle.com. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for um, being a faithful listener. And as I always say, please remember that there is purpose in your pain. Thank you.